so can you start by just sharing a bit about yourself and how you got involved in this down this path of clean tech investment? Sure, I have a uh, background in business administration and applied math. Mm-hmm. I've been in private equity for the past two years at China Hedic Fund. The fund started in partnership with High Tech Fair, which is a uh, a conference for high tech companies to present their products uh, as well as uh, new developments. And uh, the fund first started as a financial as well as IPA, IPO advisor, mm-hmm. taking Chinese businesses and high tech companies public abroad. And uh, the fund started investing in its clients at around 2006 uh, and took part of it, became a fund structure. So while I was working at the fund, we made an investment in China's largest uh, thermal energy storage company. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've always been very environmentally aware, but uh, while doing the due diligence for the company, I realized that the clean tech space, at least in, in this in this sector, is becoming is entering a transition phase, transitional phase where it's not only helping the government but also becoming profitable. So uh, that, that's sort of where we're at, and. Uh, it's, it's taking on le- less and less government subsidy, despite there being more subsidy, a lot of margin are becoming profitable with less subsidy. And uh, I'm, currently help- I'm currently helping the company fulfill its large backlogs, mm-hmm. expand into North American market, as well as uh, uh, helping them list mm-hmm. currently. And what do you see as the most profitable clean tech sectors to invest in right now? Well, most profitable? Well, it depends on which, uh, how downstream you are. I mean, if you're, if you're just a regular investor in the, in the secondary market, then uh, I guess some, something related to EV as well as battery technologies. But if, if you're further upstream and you know you look at project levels, uh, I'm slightly biased toward mm-hmm. uh, toward thermal energy storage because I think it, it's very underutilized. And there's huge potential. Mm-hmm. Uh, half of all energy worldwide is, uh, is spent on heating, and mm-hmm. there's virtually no coverage on um, on thermal energy storage as compared to battery storage. So, uh, I think as soon as the the investors realize, come come to terms with you know, just how big the market is, mm-hmm. as well as how quickly the market can be captured, I think there's going to be a huge growth and uh, profit, mm-hmm. at least from from the perspective of someone more upstream. Yeah. And can, can you explain the difference between battery storage and energy storage? Sure thing. Energy storage, it's, it's, um, it's describing anything that stores energy. So mm-hmm. it can be compressed air, uh, in forms of compressed air energy when air escapes a compressed space. Uh, it releases energy by spinning a turbine, or it can be water, you pump water up, and then when it comes back down, it spins another turbine and, and uh, that releases energy. Battery energy, battery storage is more specific. So you have lead, uh, which is cheaper, lithium ion, mm-hmm. as well as uh, some kind of hybrid nowadays, and mm-hmm. it's more exclusively dedicated to electricity. Mm-hmm. It's been getting a lot of coverage because there's a shift toward. Um, renewable projects, yeah. uh, a lot of wind, solar, and they're trying to beat the duck curve. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, they will need a massive amount of energy storage. 
and the default right now is battery because how those towers can provide electricity as well as um, as well as transportation. The EV industry is heating up. That's why the battery storage is heating up as well. Mm. And are there any startups or companies that in the energy storage space that you find especially exciting right now, or that you're investing in and wouldn't mind naming? Uh, so you mean what space am I looking into, or were the? I mean, like I mean, specific um, startups or companies in the energy storage space as examples. Um, we're looking at more mature companies, but we were definitely. Uh, very excited. About 10 years ago, we made investments, very early investments, mm-hmm. in a lithium-ion battery company, and uh, we we built one of the largest large cell batteries, uh, battery factories in Russia. So it, whenever there's a quantum, like QuantumScape and all these sort of um, startups that they're doing exciting work, they're about to make that huge leap. and. Uh, we're, we're more looking toward something that's strategically aligned with our portfolio, which is some energy storage, specifically NSU. That's E N E S O O N. They're going to be listed soon. And I find it to be very exciting because they're already commercialized as well. So I've got some, a lot of contracts with the government and uh, obtain a lot of concession rights. Mm-hmm. And are there any other areas of clean tech that you're currently investing in or, or where you just see? High growth potential, or, or would particularly interesting. Sure thing. I see, uh, I see smart grid and micro grid as, as very high potential mm-hmm. uh, in terms of infrastructure. Most metropolitan area already have um, uh, great great energy and utility services in place. Mm-hmm. But I think that as you move into more rural areas where you know generation, uh, like there's plenty of energy sources, but not a lot of infrastructure in place. I think. Smart grid is what, what is a is a area we're current, we're currently actively looking for portfolios in, mm-hmm. and that as well as energy efficiency. Yeah. Um, in terms of clean tech, you know, one is to make the energy source more clean. Yes. Another one is to reduce the spending, and uh, mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of um, buildings here in New York are have a energy efficiency rating of, of C or below. So I think there, there's a huge, uh, huge room to play with there. Mm, yeah, definitely. I guess that goes into buildings and design as well, like in addition to the, uh, yeah, the energy. Absolutely, side. yeah. Um, okay, uh, I've, got, I've got the question, which areas of clean tech are you personally the most interested in? But I think you explained that. Um, how have you seen the clean tech investment space develop over the past five to ten years and change? I know you mentioned it's becoming profitable. Are there any other outstanding trends that you've noticed? I think that um, initially when clean tech first started, this is uh, beyond a bit back before I was involved in, in the space, but mm-hmm. I think that. Uh, Universus first came in with the mentality of VCs, and I think in the span of five years, they lost 25 billion mm-hmm. US dollars that was never recovered. And they're now looking, now there's a shift toward something. They're approaching clean tech investments less like 
uh, SaaS or uh, these other technology companies, but more like traditional companies where they're looking for um, uh, companies with a good idea of where it's heading and how to commercialize, as well as how to how to implement mm-hmm. its products. So, and, so I think there's a general shifting mindset from out there to what, what 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 can be captured currently, and I think that's that's very exciting because uh, for for the clean tech space to not lose heat mm-hmm. as it did for the past few years, we needed that boost of um, of of being actually take steps, active projects. Like uh, I believe EOS, they they've done quite well with uh, commercialization, mm-hmm. and so I think. Yeah, so from, from my perspective, the shift towards something that's more concrete is, mm. is what I observe and most notable. Yeah, so like really being used in the real world. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, now let, let's talk about what sort of companies you like to invest in and you would like to potentially hear from. What do you look out for? Right. Um, so in terms of companies we're actively trying to invest in, we, we do have the liquidity. We're looking for companies with, a, with the IP profile as well as the clientele that closely match with our current portfolio. Mm-hmm. Because that's what we, we're, we're currently working with. We've had to stay with our portfolio for a while. So any sort of strategic partnership as well as the IP that we can add to the table, then we would definitely be pursuing that. So anything the heat pump, uh, anything in the heating space we're actively looking into. In the next three to five years, since we're still quite early in the J-curve stage, um, we will be looking at, uh, again, microgrid and smart grid, because mm-hmm. we think that there's going to be huge democratization of uh, energy generation. Mm-hmm. We're also going to be looking at uh, technologies related to photovoltaics. I think the PV industry has um, has been having the Moore's law applying to it, so exponential decrease in uh, in panel costs. And I think it, it's really it's really plump for a quantum leap in terms of cost reduction as well as efficiency. So mm-hmm. I think there's uh, an Oxford group is uh, is um, is working on something quite exciting right now. So anything related to those and you know leading edge technology, we we'd be happy to look into. You mentioned companies that are matched in terms of IP and clientele. Can you elaborate a little bit more? Sure. Uh, in terms of IP alignment, so um, the our portfolio uses heat pumps to capture thermal energy from the environment. Mm-hmm. That can be from the air uh, by using a fan or from the sewers, uh, or it can be recycled energy or geothermal. And sort of, if, if any entrepreneur that has have, have any sort of um, IoT, uh, they, they develop any sort of blockchain or uh, sort of marketplace, well, we're happy to look into ways where we can expand beyond just thermal energy storage and perhaps potentially like a, like a marketplace, as well as um, if, if your IP is specifically IoT, we can, we can think about ways to bring the two companies together and, and um, track the energy usage and the energy availability better. Uh, of course, there are, there are a lot of different ways, and it, you can be very creative in terms of IP. So mm-hmm. um, if, if you think your IP profile can potentially interact with um, 
something like that. So we would do um, thermal energy storage medium. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot, we have a lot of IPs in the in the storage containers, uh, IoT as well as software management. So yeah, there, there, there's a lot of ways that you can interact. So be creative and feel free to reach out. In terms of clientele, what I mean by that is if you have um, clients in North or even South because um, the, the portfolio can provide heating as well as cooling, uh, that have a lot of heating needs. So saying you're, you're providing the microgrid services to some of these um, remote locations and they have an unstable grid and they're actually looking for ways to smooth that out and make heating available regardless of uh, electricity availability. And um, so those clientele with, that are readily, readily convertible to us uh, we're looking to those as well. Obviously, uh, everything is conducted on a case-by-case -case instance. Mm -hmm. yeah. And what advice would you give to companies drafting up a pitch as to three top tips, let's say? Three top tips? Yeah. <laughs> well, again, it depends on who you're pitching to. So we're still uh, we're middle to late stage. Uh, what we look for specifically is the... So the goal of saving the planet and uh, making making a better place for our children is, is definitely grand and noble, but uh, we want to look for entrepreneurs as well as owners that have a good understanding of the market and know how to capture it. To us, a pitch regarding how your product or service is 10 or 15% better than competitors is not very convincing to us because we, we despite some product being 10 or 15% inferior to other ones, if they can sell better, it makes for a better business. Mm -hmm. So for us, that's, that's what we look for. Um, so that's tip number one is to be very sort of business oriented when you're doing the pitch. Yes, make sure your, the idea of your product is properly conveyed, but also ensure that, um, ensure you know how to capture the market as well as how to commercialize, yeah, and, uh, commercialize at scale. That's very, very important. And uh, I guess tip number two is um, is to have presentable information. Um, we've run into a couple instances where you know they, they had a great team, but uh, when we ask questions, they're scrambling through the documents. So make sure you're you coming prepared. Obviously, this basic pitch uh, job. Mm -hmm. advice and uh, number three is be very very prepared mm -hmm. to address the leapfrog um, question how how easily is your product or, or service um, how easily can they be leapfrogged because um, if you're looking to scale scaling is not a matter of um, a year or two it could be three to five years and in those times the exponential decay of, 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 of product costs could, could definitely replace your market share. Mm -hmm. So be, be ready to address you know, the leapfrog question. Mm -hmm. uh, what's the number one reason you think a pitch fails? Number one reason I think a pitch fails, mm, it's simply, I think, being underprepared. Mm. Happens to it happens a lot, and even with great companies, it happens to them too. 
Um, so if, if you have a particular important pitch, make sure you bring all the documents. Uh, make sure you have a somewhat of a data room for for the for after the pitch and during the pitch. Make sure, uh, in addition to talking about your product, you also uh, specifically discuss the IP, the leapfrog. Be very um, be detail oriented. It doesn't have to be busy. It, it does not have to be a long pitch at all. Point out the key details and be very organized in your thoughts. You have to tell a story, and the story has to make sense before someone like us would, would take further into your documents. Mm -hmm. I like what you said about the company needing to show that it can sell something and focus on that instead of just how their product is 10% better. I think that's a very good point. <laughs> Um, yeah, because right. in the end, it, yeah, it, it will come down to well, their their sales skills as well, and how how quickly they can develop those kinds of partnerships. Right. Yeah, it's um. I mean, it's with the exponential decay of of costs, um, ten fifteen percent means you're a year ahead. But in in that year, can you capture the amount of market share that you would like to capture? Are you ready to address that? Do you have a great sales team? Are they ready to sell to the building owners? Are they ready to sell to the commercial real estate managers? This, all of these, it's very, I mean, a great product. We're willing to buy your IP, mm -hmm. simply put. And, but uh, a great company requires someone who can sell the product that they're developing. Yeah. yeah. All right, I'll move on to a couple of personal questions. Uh, do you have a favorite quote? You make the road by walking would be my favorite. I think there's a Chinese maxim that's pretty similar. It goes something like, uh, journey of a thousand miles begins beneath your feet. Mm. Uh, basically, um, if you're someone listening to this podcast or watching this recording or, or in the audience, I think you already taken that first step. But uh, if, if there are areas that you're trying to explore without distracting from your main focus, I think you should definitely take that first step and begin your journey. Mm, nice one. Yeah, I think I think that's most entrepreneurs, isn't it? <laughs> ta yes, ta taking taking one step after another and um, creating the path as they go. Uh, is there a philosophy you follow in business and in life? I think be slightly delusional with the ability to execute. Uh, make a grandiose plan and engineer solutions and engineer path there. Even if you don't get there, you'll get somewhere pretty close. I like that. What motivates you to do what you do? I grew up with science fiction. So uh, I think we're going to be exploring the space in a hundred years or so, and we can't do that without without conquering our own planet first, mm -hmm. making sure it's it's a good enough foundation. Uh, something like a Dyson sphere sounds very exciting to me. So, but um, yeah, that's that's sort of what excites me and motivates me. Mm -hmm. And if you could teleport yourself ten years into your future. What do you see yourself doing, and where would you be? Right. Um, first of all, if uh, I could tell for ten years into the future. Yeah. Probably 
want to be in Singapore to see what it's like because based on the current trajectory as well as predict projections, uh, uh, most of the tropical and subtropical regions will be very livable and Singapore have, has always defied logic in that sense. Uh-huh. They're, they're, building, uh, they're building infrastructure that specifically addresses climate issues and make sure it's livable, it's future-proof. That's somewhere I'd like to see. Ten years in the future, I'd like to be a lot more involved in the bleeding edge uh, technologies, uh, making active investments in those areas and trying to commercialize those. Mm. All right, now I have a, a random question which I throw in because it's totally unique to my online magazine and nobody else asks this question, but what would your dream house look like? Ooh. That's a great question. Yeah. I've been watching a lot of uh, World's Most Extraordinary Home on Netflix. Oh, me too. <laughs> yeah, great. That's that's awesome. And uh, yeah, my dream house is a lot different from my girlfriend's dream house. She wants a beach house. She's like a traditional house. But I want something more exciting. I want something more tech-built. Uh, maybe some warm and then... Uh, Water will come from the building to cool, um, cool the surface, mm-hmm. providing a cool place. Something very exciting, something very futuristic and modern would be my dream house. It doesn't have to be like in a nice location. Just yeah. Excited, yeah. It sounds like you're in a good position to create that with, with um, knowing all the various trends in energy and um, IoT that are coming out. Yeah, but my dream house. For sure, we'll have an energy efficiency rating of A. Yeah. <laughs> That's a necessity. Better be very insulated and things like that. But uh, I want it to be modern and futuristic. Cool. Um, anything else that you want to add or any, any other points that you would make to uh, a climate tech entrepreneur? Um, mm-hmm. What do you think, Lee? Um, if don't be discouraged when uh, when you make a pitch and someone asks, oh, isn't this target market too small? Don't be discouraged because uh, if you can occupy a niche, that's, that's a great footing for you to expand into your other areas. And if it's if what you're doing is below the pay grade of what you're pitching to, it probably isn't going to end up working anyways. There's always companies, there's always PE firms and VC firms that, that are happy to be involved in whatever you're working on. So don't be discouraged and uh, keep it up and try to make sure you develop a sellable product and try to make sure you have a great sales Great. Uh, well, thank you so much, Kevin. Of course. Awesome. Really nice to speak to you.